0: Coming up on Garden Talk.
1: I usually start by going around certain areas on Google Maps uh, when I want to find a new spot to grow outside. Cut it in a circle. So I uh, cleanse in the middle and then I plant the medical plants in there, so to speak, and then I try to go out through the bushes. So I just have a a little bit of a spot. I think that's horrible. If you're going to grow outside, I think... I think you have to be responsible, of course, and don't pollute the nature. Be a grown-up, you know, take your shit with you, and uh, or put it in a trash bag nearby. Choose often plants that are pretty sturdy, that are known for, it. They, they can handle these type of not optimal conditions. Try to keep it pretty minimalistic, take your shit with you, be responsible, and that's my advice.
0: What's up everybody, If you that don't know me, my name is Chris, aka Mr. Grow It, and you're tuned to the Garden Talk Podcast, this episode number 63. In this episode I interview Mackie, he's been gardening for 6 years, and is a gorilla grower. In this episode, he talks about the many stealth practices that he needs to do in order to grow his plants without anybody knowing. Thanks to all of you who support this podcast through Patreon, if you'd like to support, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash mrgrowit. Before we get into it. I want to acknowledge that one of my goals for this podcast is to bring zero cost for information about gardening, all plants, to the general public. That being said, I'd like to thank the sponsors of today's episode who helped make that goal possible. Thanks to Spider Farmer for being a sponsor. A new grow light they released here in 2022 is the SE1000W. This was designed specifically for those of you who run CO2 in grow space and really want to maximize the light intensity. It has a 10-bar design for an even light spread, pulls 1,000 watts from the wall, and comes in at 2.9 micromoles per joule efficacy. The recommended coverage area is 4 feet by 4 feet or 5 feet by 5 feet. Use discount code MRGROWAT5 to save on all Spider Farmer products, and I'll leave a link in the video description section below. Shoutout to Gorilla Grow Tent for sponsoring this episode. They have two different size clone tents, 18 inches and 24 inches. The 18-inch clone tent is designed to fit standard size seedling trays. The 24-inch tent, which is the one that they sent me, is designed to fit the Super Cloner 50 or two standard size seedling trays. They also have a clone tent fan and filter, which is designed to fit perfectly in the rooftop micro mesh compartment of both the 18-inch and 24-inch tents. Check out their website at growstrongindustries.com and use discount code MRGROWIT for 15% off. AC Infinity is a sponsor of the podcast coupon code MrGrowIt will get you a discount on their products. I've been using their Cloudline T6 and T4 inline fans for several years now and I absolutely love the automation built into them. On the inline fans controller you can have set points for high and low temperature as well as high and low humidity. This greatly helps control my indoor garden environment so the temperature and humidity stays in the ideal ranges. I will leave a link to AC Infinity down in the description section below. And don't forget to use coupon code MrGrowIt for a discount on their products. And we are back. Welcome to the Garden Talk podcast. Today I am joined with Mackie. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you, man?
0: I'm doing great. Great. Thanks for asking. Today we're going to talk all about stealth growing. So you are a gorilla grower which is why you're hiding your identity right now. Uh, Gorilla Growing, for those that don't know, is someone who cultivates on land that they don't have the legal rights to cultivate on. So it could be private property, abandoned sites, areas that aren't being cared for, so on and so forth. In order to do that, you have to implement stealth processes, right? So that's what we're gonna get into today. Uh, But first, how about an introduction? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into gardening? Of
1: course. Uh, I live in uh, Scandinavia, and uh, I've been gardening for uh, pretty much all my grown-up life. I started my first grow when I was like 19, now I'm over 30. So uh, I've been growing on and off, and mostly outside, uh, like Rilla style. So I have a little bit of experience in the outside growing here in Scandinavia.
0: So just a quick disclaimer, we are not uh, encouraging anybody to break the law. This episode is particular for those who want to implement stealth growing. Maybe you have family, friends, nosy neighbors that you don't want to know about your grow. So that being said, why not grow legally? Why do you have to grow illegally where you live? Uh, it,
1: it, because it is uh, how it is here in the Scandinavian countries with the regulation of the medical plants. Um, you're not allowed to use it you're not allowed to uh, grow it or even have it on you so and that's why I uh, started to do this gorilla type of growing and uh, for other reasons as well but yeah I think it's um, much better to do it yourself you know what you get uh, you don't get contaminated products and uh, yeah it's easier
0: yeah we had a pre-meeting before we met today and you had talked about contamination as well is a big deal yes. out there so mm. um, is there dispensaries that you can buy at or is everything just black market out there
1: everything here is black market um, it is very restricted it's uh, very high um, uh, you know you get very big problems if you use it in any way so uh, and because the black market is so big here you get really bad quality of products so that's why i think a lot of people are starting to implement more rilla style of growing because they know what they get and the black market is just like that it's a black market so they try to make the products way more and stuff like that and you know get more money out of people who don't know anything about it so it's 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 a it's a bad market here i think right now
0: So I can imagine that gorilla growing is very common out there, is that right? I think it's uh, more
1: common than people might know here in Scandinavian countries, especially in the summertime, uh, because in the winter we can't grow here because the climate is so cold and bad, we have a little bit better summer so you can grow in the summertime here.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So what is your overall style of gardening? Are you doing indoors, outdoors, are you in soil or cocoa, organic, synthetic? Uh, what's your style?
1: Yeah, uh, if we're uh, starting with medium, I'm uh, usually growing in a uh, soil, uh, just mixing soil and uh, you know, peat and perlite and also some cocoa. I have a little bit of that, but I don't use uh, only cocoa or only soil, so I mix a little bit of both. But I never do hydro. I don't know why. I just feel more comfortable to doing it in soil. And uh, regarding my grow style, I grow both indoors and outdoors. Now in the winter time, winter months when it's pretty cold here, I grow indoors, of course. And then in the mid-May, I uh, starting to veg, the plants that I'm gonna put out in the summer months. So I do both.
0: Okay, so you're vegging the plants starting in May. And then, when do you actually bring them outdoors and plant them outdoors?
1: I usually uh, veg them for four or five weeks uh, right before the outer flowers go, yeah, go into flowering. So they are uh, pretty sturdy and they can handle some hard winds here. So then I put them out. So I veg around uh, eight, ten plants in the uh, mid of May, and then I put out them in mid June, and then they, then they get done in like. The end of July, approximately, and then I have already pre veged another ten flowers or ten medical plants, and then I put them out. So,
0: okay, so you're doing multiple cycles a year, and you mentioned autoflowers. Are you doing? Are all the plants autoflowers?
1: Yeah, I uh, usually do autoflowers auto now because the summers here are uh, pretty short, and the weather is not so stable here in this Canadian country. So autoflowers i think is the best 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 bet if you get uh, some quality autoflowers they could handle these temperature changes and um i i there are some scandinavian companies like northern seeds that have great autoflowers so uh, they cultivate it for these type of uh, environments so they're perfect
0: okay so you mentioned you're vegging indoors for about four uh, five six weeks or four five weeks Uh, So the plants are already flowering when you bring them into outdoors. Then they're going the remainder of their life. It's typically what, like another five, six weeks until you harvest. Um, Mm -hmm. And you already have other plants being started indoors at the same time. And so once those outdoor Mm -hmm. plants are harvested, you're bringing those indoor plants that you have going at four or five weeks outdoors. So you're getting another cycle in within the matter of just a couple months there, between harvests, is that right?
1: Exactly, exactly. So uh, I try to get uh, at least two, two cycles in one summer, so around 20 plants.
0: Talking about a place to grow, um, how do you go about determining a good piece of land or a spot to grow in?
1: I usually uh, start by uh, going around certain areas on uh, Google Maps first of all uh, when i want to find a new spot to grow outside and i go uh, go about it checking uh, the place and then i see if it's pretty close to me so i can either walk there or take my just take my bike and get a backpack with uh, water and nutrition too so i can feed the plants when they need water and then i go and scout the place and see uh, if there is a uh, little activity around there not many people and of course i don't want any houses close by so people can see from inside of their houses out and, you know, see me when I go in and out of the, the, um, the area that I picked. And um, yeah, then I just uh, check the area, see how it is with the coverage of bushes and stuff like that. It's hidden, you know, all that stuff.
0: So how much sunlight are you look at, typically looking for that spot to be able to get per day?
1: Yeah, I don't have exactly, I don't really count the hours, but I think at least like six hours, I think six, seven hours, I think it's minimum here. Uh, But I just try to see how the sun goes when I'm standing at at the growing spot outside. See, so there's not big trees that cover the sun, so they mostly get sun, you know, at least half day, you know.
0: And during the time outdoors, we're talking, June, July, August. Yeah. What is the temperature and humidity outdoors in the area where you live? Or the area where you plant, sorry. Yeah,
1: it's uh, getting, uh, you know, the, the, the humidity is rising from month to month. But in, in the middle of the summer, it's around 50. Could be more if it's really, really uh, humid here and really, really hot temperatures. In a really high summer day, it could, of course, go up to 60. Around 45 to 50, I think it's on a a regular summer day here.
0: Are you doing anything to camouflage the grow at all so that nobody can see it? Uh, I usually um, try to find
1: a spot that is um, covered with uh, not not big trees, but a little bit, like a little bit of bushy, like a a circle uh, area. Then I, I get in. A crowd crawling <laughs> like two three meters in, and then I cut cut it uh like in a circle, so I uh cleanse in the middle and then I plant um the medical plants in there, so to speak, and then I try to go out through the bushes again, so I just have a little bit of uh um you know a little bit of a spot to have my plants in the middle so people can see through the the bushes just from above.
0: And I always imagine some people actually doing like booby traps too, going as far as like adding in traps in case anybody were to walk in that area. Are there any like booby traps you set up or anything to keep people away?
1: Maybe I should. Maybe I should, like bear traps and stuff. But uh, I haven't. I haven't done anything, and I'm, I think it's uh, it's going pretty good so so far. So.
0: Do you worry about the smell at all, right? So we know that these medicinal plants, they can certainly start to smell. That smell can uh, mm. drift over to other areas. Are you worried about the smell yeah. at all? Do you do anything about the smell or what?
1: Uh, I have actually haven't got any problem with the smell. Um, uh, you can choose a strain that is a pretty low odor strain. Like, for example, the uh, Northern Lights Auto, it's a, it's a good uh, strain because it doesn't smell so much if you are concerned about the smell outdoors. But where I usually have my medical plants, it is uh, close to a uh, big road, a bigger road. And there's a lot of uh, cars and stuff like that. So it's a lot of stuff going on in the air. So it's pretty hard, you know, and it's also pretty windy there. It's pretty hard for people to notice any smell there. So I, I haven't uh, had any problems with that, but of, of course, it depends on where you put your plants and how the strain you choose, how much they smell. You're going to look up the strain a little bit before I'm, you know, be cautious of where you plant it.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And then a problem yeah. that a lot of outdoor growers face is pollination. Have you had any issues with plants accidentally poll- pollinating your plants at all?
1: Never, never actually. Uh, I don't know if that is just luck, luck for me or... Um, what it is but i've never had a problem with that uh, when i'm going outside so i'm pretty happy about that
0: okay and then as far as kind of going back to like the camouflage stuff and and staying hidden um Mm. you know back in the day we're talking 20 plus years ago in the states there was huge crackdowns it was helicopters flying all over the place they were coming down on these Mm. grows they were looking from above coming down once they found found these medicinal plants Chopping down plants, uh, and really spending a lot of time, money, on doing this process. Do you face mm-hmm. any of that in your area? Are there always helicopters flying around, actively looking for gorilla grow- grows and taking plants down?
1: Uh, no, I never heard of uh, anyone that get uh, you know get in trouble that way. You never hear any helicopters where I live here. Uh, it's not a big city where I live, it's uh, a medium city in this case, one of the Scandinavian countries, and we don't have these type of resources here. I feel that they're going to do these type of big operations just looking for, uh, uh, you know, medical plants and stuff like that. So uh, I've never heard of anything uh, about that you know, matter. So I think you're totally cool. Uh, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, you know, of course, if you have a very, very, big scale operations outside with like 500 to 1,000 plants, maybe you got to be a little bit more cautious, of course, but if you have like 10, 20, something like that, I don't think you have to worry about a thing,
0: you know. That makes sense. So you're doing it on a little bit smaller of a scale than some of the other gorilla growers are, right? So you said around 10 plants at a time, so. Yeah,
1: 10, 10, uh, approximately 10, 15 sometimes, you know. It depends a little bit about how the uh, the place is uh, looking, where I'm going to set them, if it's big enough or how, how much could they handle and stuff like that. So,
0: Do you grow in the same spot year after year or are you switching up locations every year? I,
1: I usually switch up locations um, because uh, just just for having a little bit more caution, you know, uh, and so, so don't people, you know, notice me going there every summer and the same time and, you know, just to try to be a little bit more uh, low-key and under the radar, try to switch it up, try different places, try different spots, see which spot is best, you know, how how the plants feel, you know, stuff like that.
0: So you do your initial investigation, I guess we call it, right? Your initial searching yeah. for a piece of land. Uh, I'm assuming you're doing that in May or maybe early June, maybe a week or so before you plant from indoors your indoor plants plant them outdoors is that right
1: yeah exactly
0: and, and at that point your auto flowers you said they're they're week five ish they're pretty decent size i would imagine how are you bringing the plants in the into the location without getting spotted
1: uh, that's a good question i usually take uh like bigger plastic bags uh, that i just can't, can just carry and then i either go with uh my car and just put it in the, the backseat of my car, just go back and forth a couple of times in hours. But I know uh, not a lot of people are going there. So I try to make it uh, as quick as possible, of course, and not be in the location for too long. Uh, you know, so people start wondering what he, the guy is doing in the bushes there. <laughs> you know, that's to be a little bit weird. But uh, just big plastic bags, depending on how big the plants or, you know, I can have some, uh, you know, what do you call it? Like, laundry bags, they're pretty high sometimes. And, you know, IKEA bags and stuff like that. So depends on the height of the plants. But, you know, I'm growing usually all the flowers and they don't get so tall. So I usually don't have, have mega bags, you know, when I put them out.
0: Okay, so you get the plants to the location. And then are you keeping plants in containers at that time? Or are you doing the transplanting process to where you're digging down into the ground and then transplanting from the containers Mm -hmm. and planting into the ground?
1: Uh, Last year, I just put the uh, plastic containers outside, uh, just on the ground, just for easy, uh, because it was a pretty uh, hidden location that uh, was... uh, I didn't, didn't have to grow them down in the ground, you know, to make it more stealth. So I, you know, didn't... You know, started to dig and put soil and ground stuff like that. So it, it depends a little bit uh, how the location is looking. If I want to be more stealth, and if people can you know see through it and maybe watch plants or see that something's going on, maybe I dig them down. But uh, this year I'm finding a good location right now, and uh, I think I'm just going to put the, the put the containers out on the ground. Uh, you know, so make it easier for myself. You know.
0: Do you do anything for hardening off? And for those that don't know what hardening off is, it's doing things to acclimate your plants that you started indoors to the outdoor environment. Are you doing anything for hardening off of the plants?
1: Mostly not, but it depends a little bit on the weather here. If I have, uh, you know, if it's starting to be pretty good weather a couple of weeks before I put them out. Sometimes I can just put it on my balcony, uh, some of the plants, it is really great weather. Uh, so make them uh, accustomed to the uh, outside climate a little bit more, and the wind and stuff like that. But I usually don't think about that as much. Um, I choose often plants that are pretty sturdy, that are known for they they can handle these type of not optimal conditions. That is here in where I live. Uh, so I haven't had any problems with that uh, to harden them and stuff like that. But I think they uh, they are pretty good you know when they're ready and um yeah they, they could handle the, the switch from inside to outdoors pretty pretty good i think so
0: okay and then once you get to the location you have your plants there how many trips back and forth are you typically doing per week in order to uh, you know get in there with maybe you're bringing in equipment or tools uh, fertilizer uh, watering the plants mm-hmm. can you talk to us about all of that mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, first
1: time then first time I get there, I just put in the plants there, uh, don't do anything, and then I get out as quick as possible. Then I usually wait for approximately five days before I go there. So, maximum once a week, I, I go to the spot and just water them. I have bottles in my backpack, two liter bottles, pre filled, pre fertilized, everything is ready. So, I can just take them off, you know, uh, out of my backpack. And just uh, splash it on the uh, medical plants, you know, as quickly as possible, and then I'm out again. So I just I don't like lurk around in the spot too long. I just do what I have to, and then I get out there and get out of there as quickly as possible. So every five days I would say I go to the spot in the summertime. But if it is a really warm summer and the plants, of course, need more water, I might get there every third day or something like that, depending on the weather, of course.
0: And then, what are you using for a fertilizer?
1: I usually usually just uh, use one fertilizer. It's a bloom fertilizer. It's nothing special. It's a brand from here. It's a local brand, so I can't give any recommendations. But it's a very. It has everything you need, and I don't use that before uh, the I think it's the fourth or fifth week. So after five weeks, I starting to use that on the on the plants, but not before. I don't think they need it, especially out of flowers. They're pretty fragile, easy to over-fertilize these type of plants. So I use a synthetic fertilizer when they're starting to bloom, uh, usually when I put them out the first week. And then I use it every watering until uh, they're ready to harvest, basically. So. And now
0: are you checking like a PPM or an EC, or are you ignoring those things and just kind of doing the um, every week feeding uh, every five days or whatever, how often you go to the site.
1: Yeah, I don't check anything about that, not pH, nothing like that. I just try to keep it as simple as possible, uh, just uh, taking the recommendations on the bottle that I know they can handle. I've tried it before, of course, uh, on the spray before, so I know I don't over-fertilize, so I know my measurements, how much they need and how much they can take. And then I just mix it up with water, and then I'm out doing the thing. I don't... Use any boosters or any stuff like that. I just have a simple, you know, good fertilizer for for the bloom stage that I think works really good for me. I use it even indoors as well, and uh, you know, yeah, it's it's pretty really simple, but it works. You know, I don't think you have to complicate it so much. You know, if you have a good uh, like round fertilizer, yeah, basic fertilizer.
0: So I can imagine that you, you, you've you brought in the nutrients there and you just keep the nutrient bottles there on site. And so every five days, you're just using the bottles that you've left there at that spot. The water, I'm still trying to wrap my head around because you, you, you said you've gotten 10 plants at a time. It seems like a lot of water would need to be brought in. Are you doing multiple trips mm. for water?
1: I usually, I usually just do one trip. I just fill, but I don't water them that much. I, I give them maybe like... 50 centiliters, 60 centiliters of um, water to each plant, so I don't overwater them. I'm pretty cautious with how much I water them. I think uh, for a seven to nine liter container that I usually use for these flowers, they don't really need that much, you know, uh, and I don't try to flush them too much so they can hold the nutrients uh, in the container. So I don't flush them up every time and you just have to use even more uh, nutrients. So. I usually have um, a lot of uh, 2-liter bags, have a big backpack, just pressing them down. I uh, pre-fill it back home, so I don't have any nutrients at the spots. So I just pre-fill everything at home, put it in my backpack, just go with my bike or or my car sometimes. But usually my bike, uh, early in the morning, water them and then it's it's done for 5 days usually.
0: Okay, and then you said you don't do any type of flushing. Um, You'd like to just water in so there's really no runoff happening for the entire grow. Now, what about at the end of the grow before harvest? A common technique that we know of is flushing, Mm -hmm. right? They'll they'll flush the nutrients out of the medium in order to kind of force that senescence to happen within the plants. Um, Are you doing a flush before harvesting?
1: yeah i've I've heard that a lot of people do that, but I've also heard that uh, it doesn't make any sense to the plants um, if you flush or not that's what I've heard uh, like later later studies now that recently came out from a uh, like really good grower so I never flush I don't care about that uh, maybe you should maybe you don't I don't know I haven't heard anyone that could tell a difference from a plants that have been flushed and from one that hadn't been flushed but I don't know. It's up to each, each, uh, each person to know if um, they want to flush or not, but I, I usually don't care about that, you know.
0: Yeah, in my opinion, I think it's pretty good that you don't flush. Um, the reason why is one thing that's very common with gorilla growing is you hear about people using synthetic nutrients outdoors, flushing their plants runoff of phosphorus and nitrogen going into the Mm. local local streams close by and then toxic algae blooms occurring Uh, it's a huge problem huge problem around the world Mm. actually and it's happening due to these fertilizers overuse of fertilizers so you kind of getting into a more of a a precision thing not doing the runoff it's really better for the environment right You're, you're not having those nutrients run off and cause issues.
1: Yeah, exactly. Phosphorus is, uh, is, yeah, as you said, phosphorus is horrible to get down in the ground, of course, as well.
0: And then another thing you often see is, in Gorilla grows is is trash being left around. And now this is obviously, this is Mm. mainstream media we're talking about. So they're gonna film Gorilla grows. they're gonna focus on the trash left over what's yeah. your stance on that are you and you can be honest are you leaving the trash hanging around are you collecting the trash or no
1: i i no of course i think that's horrible if you're going to grow outside i think think you have to be responsible of course and don't pollute uh, the nature uh, you know and uh be a grown-up you know take your shit with you and uh, or put it in a trash bag nearby i try to just take every bottle and stuff like that with me when i go home again just put it in my backpack and down i'm going off you know so it's not that I stay at the spot for so long, so I just have my water bottles, I water, then I put them down back in my backpack, and I'm out of there again. So I don't have like basically anything around there laying around, you know. It's, it's just the plan to stand there, you know.
0: You would think that would be a tip for to, to stay stealth, right? Is to remove the trash because if people see the trash, people walk by the area, they see the trash. That's gonna, uh, you know, attract some eyes towards that way. So.
1: Precisely. Uh, so. Try to keep it pretty minimalistic, take your shit with you uh, and, you know, be responsible. And that, that's my advice.
0: How do you avoid getting spotted? I mean, you're going there pretty frequently, right? Every five days or so you're going there. Uh, how do you avoid getting spotted? Are you going at a certain time of the day where maybe there's less population around the area? Um, or have you ever gotten spotted before?
1: Yeah, I try to go, of course, at times where I know that a lot of people are either at work or sleeping. So, like 5 in the morning, uh, 4.30, sometimes in the summertime, I think it's a, it's a good uh, time to go there if you're going to water. And, um, of course, I don't pick a spot that there is a lot of houses nearby. But uh, there are people, of course, walking that could see you. So, you got to choose to be there at certain times. You know, you have to put your alarm maybe early in the morning to uh, minimize the risk of someone seeing you at the spot or maybe in the middle of the night. But I think it's better in the, in the early morning to do it so you can see where your plants are.
0: All right. You did mention a somewhat high of a humidity early on in this episode. Uh, you know, at high humidities, you're at risk for things, you know, so you at risk at uh, bud rot, mold, powdery yeah. mildew. Are you facing any of those hmm. issues at all? Has that happened to you at all?
1: Yeah, it's happened uh, a little bit, but uh, it's you know not not a whole plant, you know not a whole plant. I had some some bugs that were affected uh, last year, and I just cut them off and just threw them away, of course. But um, yeah, you can't really do anything about it, you know. You have to um, hope that everything is <laughs> going pretty good and that uh, summer is pretty windy, but also get a lot of sunshine. So Gets the air circulation uh, around the, the medical plants that you have planted outside. And also, maybe you can choose a uh, location that is not too windy, of course, but have a little bit of a air circulation so it's not so closed off that they can't like, breathe and there's too heavy of a, uh, too heavy bushes or trees around. So they, it's suffocated basically. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it's bigger problem inside with bad ventilation that is. Outside, depending on the weather, of course, but I think they're, they're going
0: to be fine. So that's one problem. The other problem would be uh, very mm-hmm. common outdoors is pests. Um, what do you do in order to prevent pests from invading your grow outdoors?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I usually put uh, this copper tape around the stem of the plants because uh, we have a lot of problem with snails here that likes to chew on the uh, medical plants so i usually just take a pet bottle like a 500 centiliter cola bottle or something like that cut it off like this big so i just cut it cut off a bit of the bottle in a circle and then i just put it around the stem in the lower part and then i take the copper band around and then i put it on all the plants so they can't like climb up on the stem and chew on your plants you know so that's Basically, the one thing I always do, and it uh, it helps a little bit. Um, but of course, you can't do everything, and I don't want to spend too much of money on certain things and pest control and yada yada. So that's the only thing I do, and it's going pretty pretty good actually.
0: And now, talking about plant training, I'll flip it up a little bit. Do you do any type of training at all in plants? Whether it be any low stress training topping, super cropping, fimming, any of the training techniques at all?
1: Yeah, I uh, usually did more back in the day uh, with the techniques, but I have noticed uh, that if you... I don't know if this is, of course some plants can handle handle it better than others, but if you, for example, fimm or top some autoflowers, okay, they get more branches, they get more bud sites, and of course, but sometimes I feel that the buds are to like, uh, they're they're not so hard, what do you call it? Dense, not so dense? Not not so dense, exactly. So the less you do to stress the plant, I think that's better. Uh, Of course, you get a little bit less of an outcome, so to say, (laughs) when they're ready. But uh, yeah, uh, maybe just some fimming sometimes I do, but I don't really low stress the plants I put out, uh, maybe just fimming something like that something easy i don't want to spend too much time on it you know um, to stress train them
0: how big are these plants actually getting before you like when you harvest how big are the plants
1: yeah um as you know autoflowers don't grow as big as uh, photoperiod plants so they're not huge monsters but uh of course they grow a little bit bigger outside than indoors so around 120 to one and a half meters i think it's um could be uh, approximately how big they get outside, what I've seen, for, for my growth at least. But uh, of course you can grow bigger all flowers flowers, or smaller as well, but around there.
0: And then so you make that decision to harvest the plants. Are you harvesting all the plants at the same time, and then doing trips back and forth on the same day in order to uh, remove the plants from the site?
1: I try to... Uh... Harvest the same day, uh, actually. Uh, hopefully, they of course they're the same strain, but of course they can differentiate how long in the development the plants are. But I usually try to harvest the same day or each other day uh, to minimize me going front to back, front to back all the time. You know, it maximizes the um, potential that someone might see me. You know, so I don't want to do that. Uh, so uh, and then I just harvest them. Uh, every plant in one day, hopefully, and then I put them down in uh, like black (laughs) sacks, plastic bags, bigger plastic bags, then I get out of there. And then I usually wait some days, and then I take the uh, plastic containers with me again. Uh, So I just clean the spot uh, a couple of days later.
0: All right. So then you bring them back to your, your home, let them dry. Exactly. What do you typically do for drying conditions?
1: I usually have uh, a spare room where I live, and uh, then I have uh, my window there uh, on a little bit half open. So, uh, and then I hang it just straight down. I have uh, for the, uh, what do you call it? The the curtain. There's a pole, a curtain pole. I just hang them there. And then I have a fan that's just blowing uh, through the room. Uh, so yeah, and some I have some like odor control uh, buckets of some kind that I usually place out around them so it doesn't smell so much. But uh, yeah, it it works pretty good actually. So it's very very minimalistic, you know. But you know, what what can you do?
0: And so do you do do you do a wet trim or a dry trim?
1: I always uh, dry trim actually. I always dry trim. I just take the uh, the bigger. Uh, leaves off first before I hang them up to dry so it gets a little bit better aeration between the the plants and the stems they don't touch each other and stuff like that and uh, then when they're dry usually just five six days I think then they're pretty good Then usually the same process putting them in uh, glass containers starting the other process with curing
0: Let's get deeper into curing. So you're putting them into glass containers. What size containers are you working with? And are you doing any of the, the burping process, uh, you know, the a common process that's used? Mm,
1: yeah, of course. I uh, How many liters are there? I think they're around uh, 1.8 liters. I have mason jar containers with the extra lid on top that I usually use, glass containers always. And after six days the, before I've... Um, Uh, cut them down and trimming the buds after six days i put them down in the containers and then every day i open them for at least an hour first week and then i close the lid again and then uh, the second week i do it less frequently and just feel the buds uh, see how they react through your curing process you know just smell them look for uh, eventual mold and stuff like that and there if you feel that they're pretty, you know, moist still, maybe you should keep the lid off for longer. So it's up to each and everyone to just feel the flowers and see how they react to your, your curing process. And, um, you know, so it's hard to give a recommendation But um, I just, yeah, just go on feeling basically, see, feel, smell, you know, see how they react.
0: Are you eventually packaging up and selling locally? Or are you growing for yourself?
1: Yeah, I mostly grow for myself, and uh, some friends, you know, can get something if they want. But uh, I'm not a, I don't, you know, sell uh, like big scale. Uh, it's just for me myself. You know, some people take a beer to relax, and I can take something before I go to bed to uh, calm down. Sometimes, if you have a stressful life, like a lot of us do, you know, with work and family and stuff, so it's just a relaxation for me.
0: It's definitely relaxing that is for sure yeah all right so we went through just about everything there in a nutshell um i did want to ask you yeah. for those that are looking to implement stealth growing whether it be you know a nosy neighbor that they want to hide it from a friend mm-hmm. family member do you have any general advice for them
1: uh i think you should uh, first first of all Like Read read a little bit about it uh, on the internet before you start something. Get some knowledge before. uh, Be pretty cautious where you buy the stuff that you need to do this. And don't say anything to anyone if you're gonna do this uh, the way I do it. Don't tell anyone, not your friends, no one. Uh, Just keep it for yourself, do it. In your own spare time, and don't overcomplicate things. And buy a ton of fertilizers from different brands who just want to sell your stuff to make money. Try to keep it simple. Buy something from a uh, you know well-established brand that knows work. Read a little bit about the company and stuff like that. And uh, you know, scout the location and everything like that beforehand, a couple of months before. Look, people around, or they walking, or a lot of people around your site's uh, houses. Um, you get easy access to the growing space that you choose outside, when do you have to take your car there and stuff like that, you know? So try to keep it uh, as close to you as possible, minimalistic, and be uh, cautious, of course. That's, that's the most important thing, you know?
0: All right, lots of advice there. So, wrapping things up. Uh any final words that you have before we end this podcast
1: I just want to say thank you for letting me uh, into the podcast's it been a, been a pleasure and um, hope everything um, yeah hope everyone is growing some good stuff out there of course and um, yeah if anyone wants to uh, have any or if anyone had any questions they can uh, just mail me you can put my mail down in the description if you want or Whatever, just say hi. You know, uh, I'm happy to help if anyone has any questions about this style of uh, growing. So,
0: well, Mackie, thanks for coming on. This has definitely been um, insightful. Uh, something new, something different from what we've had on the podcast before. Um, thank you for reaching out to me and suggesting this as a topic, and your willingness to come on and um, talk to us about what you do. You know, stealth growing, guerrilla growing, whatever you want to call it. My pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, click that thumbs up button. Subscribe if you haven't already. Every single weekend, I'm releasing a new Garden Talk episode, and I'd love for you to tune into future episodes. Mackie, once again, thank you so much, and hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You as well, man. Peace out, everyone.